fairy tales tell, as their labels imply, stories of magic, of creatures that fly. With giants and dragons and ogres and elves, and inanimate objects that speak for themselves. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rendition Pod, where we like to talk about uh, books turned into movies, movies turned into books, all different forms of all different kinds of stories. I'm your host, Elise. Uh, we've got Jude uh, taking points on the film uh, adaptations of things. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about um, the novelization of Halo Reach. <laughs> <laughs> Please, God, no. Uh, and then Ashley uh, is our expert on all things literature. Um, she reads a million words a minute. Uh, give her a round of applause. Say hi, Ashley. Yes, I've actually read every book uh, ever written mm-hmm. by man at least once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, you need some, to, I'm on, some I'm on my second go through. Wow, you need to expand into your um, alien literature, there, guy. Um, <laughs> you know, you're really, you're really right. Yeah. So, anyway, darlings, uh, we are going to be talking about Ella Enchanted. Yeah, I know, throwback, right? 2004. Nobody's thought about this in a hot fucking minute, but you know what? We did. So, uh, Judy. What you thinking? What's up? What you uh? What do we have in mind for this? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I wa- I watched the movie about Ryan White. Oh, oops. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, oh, I thought God. it was a weird pick. Woefully unprepared. For yeah. Today, I guess. Okay. Um. Ella Enchanted. <laughs> no. Um. Okay. Uh. So I'm sure you're wondering why are we talking about Ella Enchanted? Well, um, we needed a palate cleanser after Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. First of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I wasn't thrilled about this choice. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with both of you. I was like, uh-huh. Ellen Enchanted, it's from 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a children's movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was a little beneath us. Yeah, well. But as, as it turns out, uh, 2004 was um, an extremely influential year for movies. For me in particular, I think I was like 13 years old, so I was just sort of coming into... Um, my own artistic consciousness, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, 2004 saw uh, I Heart Huckabee's Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind oh. and, and Garden State, Damn. Which, I also, which I saw all that year. So that was like when I got sort of hooked on, hooked on movies, right? right yeah. Um, wow, you were a very prolific 13-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Also, there was like a lot of great, um, like, like I feel like the last generation of decent like Stiller Sandler comedies came out like yeah. 50 first dates. Okay. And along okay. came Polly. Yeah. That's um, and uh million dollar baby also came out this year and passion of the Christ. Yeah. Uh, Hidal- yeah, a lot of films came out. In I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hidalgo came out this year. Oh um, shit. Also secret window. With oh Johnny God. Depp, oh you man. know, okay. where uh, he kills his wife and gets braces. All right, so the last good year for film, is that what you're saying? No, no not, oh, well, okay. kind of, but it <laughs> kind of felt like the last, like, mm. also there was, like, The Lady Killers came out this year, which is maybe, like, the, the least of the Coen Brothers movies, but mm-hmm. anyways, it just sort of felt like, um, like, looking at all the movies that came out this year, and considering Ella Enchanted, and then fast-forwarding to, to, to 2020, mm-hmm. and realizing that we live in, like, the like a state department funded film hyper object oh now good, oh we're, we're living in the house that 
I feel like Disney built. Yeah. Yeah. That Disney and where we can't, we can't do anything that would, would upset um, markets outside of our own. Mm -hmm. And yeah, 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 no, definitely. Yeah. And there's also like, we can't take risks with stories. They have, they're just all predicated on kind of the same basic tropes. Yeah. And you sort of feel like this, like um, the, like you kind of still feel like the Bush administration's thumb on the scale of these movies too. Sort of like the kind of effort they began after nine 11 in, sort of propagandizing the whole country. I mean, so it kind of like, I feel like snow, just continued to snowball because it turned out to also be profitable because we're a country of hogs <laughs> and you know, um, you know, and that's where, that's where we are now. Like, I, like I, like any movie I watch in two, in since like 2017 mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, well there's the like shoehorned in like CIA plug. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, there's the good CIA agent in this movie. Why? Like, mm-hmm. why is that necessary? You know, yeah. there's just like so much like state department messaging in every mainstream Hollywood film that comes out now. Yeah. Well, I think it's because especially like a lot of blockbusters now, um, the, <laughs> the U S government like has, um, a deal that they will supply like real personnel and real yeah. uh-huh. vehicles. Um, uh-huh. but they get like a final say in like script doctoring how the military. Basically. Represented. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Which is a policy so. that began under, under the Bush administration, which has weirdly oh, been wow. a, been a thread in mm-hmm. our other podcasts yeah. recently. Or maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm just still living in like 2005, yeah. but, uh, anyways, uh, yeah. yeah Ella, Ella enchanted, um, Anne Hathaway. <laughs> all that being said. All that, all that being said. No, okay. Secret agents in fairy tale world. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. So Ella Enchanted is the story of, um, uh, admittedly sort of huge looking baby, uh, that gets cursed by Vivica A. Fox, who's her, mm-hmm. f- who's a fairy. Uh-huh. Um, there's like some sort of like carpe noctum deal in the land of Frell where like, even though there's a fairy living in your house, mm-hmm. like another fairy gets to mm-hmm. come in. And give a gift to your child, right? Yeah. Which, in the case of Anne Hathaway's character mm-hmm. Ella, uh, is the gift of obedience. Wow. So she has to do whatever anyone tells her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then that that that's that's pretty much the the inciting incident of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, her mother dies, uh, and her dad has to As go sell always. watches. Mm-hmm. And then uh, her her shitty cousins move in, and. Uh, <laughs> Then she's a she's a she's a young lady in the land of Frell, mm-hmm. uh, and she's very socially conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, she's uh, an SJW, if you will. She was ahead of her time, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess. And I don't know if that's like I don't know if she's supposed to be like I don't know if it's supposed to be a joke that she no 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 that, <clears throat> the movie takes it pretty seriously that she is uh, kind of crusading for the causes of like the ogres and elves in mm-hmm. in Lamia. Uh, which is like yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. definitely not as much a, a. That's definitely like a theme that was added to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's remarkable in the book that she's really good at languages and she goes out of her way to like talk to everyone in their language and like respect their culture. But mm-hmm. it's not really like with any sense that they're suffering some great injustice without her attention. It's just she's really good with languages. It's kind of one of her personality traits. Right. She treats people like. Uh, or she treats all beings as like equal, yeah, uh, yeah. equals, which is really cool. Um, yeah. So she, like, no one in the no one in the book is like downtrodden though. Like she's not like uh, fighting a or taking like a hard stance that against something that's like normal in her society. Like, yeah. okay, well, racism or something. In the movie, there's like a Hamlet subplot with the royalty and yeah, um, yeah. There's like Carrie L's in an inversion of his character in mm-hmm. the Princess Bride. Yes, plays this like cartoonishly evil king. 
With a snake. And, with yeah, a, with, a, with, a, with a snake rod. <laughs> with a simple uh, snake rod. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Hugh Dancy is his, like, kind of dim-witted but ultimately good-hearted nephew who is essentially, like, the heir to the throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Anne Hathaway is upset at the way that the ogres and elves and uh, giants have been getting treated under the new administration. Mm-hmm. And her critique of power is pretty unyielding mm-hmm. um, and honest. Which is which is which is refreshing, yeah. Because it's basically like the conceit of the movie is that like power will abuse people for power's sake, mm-hmm. and also, it they kind of have like racial capitalism in this movie too, because they enslave the giants, yeah, or make it, them work the for elves. nothing basically. Yeah. yeah, they enslave all these other races, um, specifically for uh, the entertainment and labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for this like usurpers uh, free enterprise system, which they say specifically. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I saw the I saw the movie so long ago, and I remember enjoying it. But I it it's so funny because having recently read the book and not seen the movie in a long time, I'm like, whoa! They added so much Hollywood. Oh yeah, yeah, like Hollywood stuff that's not there. But I could kind of see where they pull some of it out from. It doesn't like not make sense. It's but. yeah. There's like uh, there's whole other characters like Carrie Ells and Heston, mm-hmm. that stupid snake that's mm-hmm. uh, voiced by Steve Coogan, by the yeah, way. Yeah, uh, yeah, Which is bananas. Also, but- Steve Steve Coogan could could bust my guts open. Oh yeah. Okay? Oh yeah. yeah. Is that, okay. Yeah. I don't I don't think he has the prowess for that, but you know what? Y'all can. Do I mean, it. does anybody else think Steve? <laughs> did- no, not Anybody at all. Else I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who Steve, Steve Coogan, Coogan is. Uh, he was in Tropic Thunder as the director. Yes. He did Hamlet Two. Yeah, Hamlet uh, Two. Maybe it's just Hamlet Two. It might have been. Oh wait, yeah. is he the main character in Hamlet Two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's uh, he's a goofy British dude with like Al Yankovic hair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But- I mean, he's. I mean, he's. He's cute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so okay. So 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 th- I feel like this movie was uh, like, I don't even know what studio produced it. It doesn't matter because like. It's, Miramax. It's, it's yeah okay Miramax oh yeah it was a Weinstein joint uh, also Kill oh, Bill no. it was he delayed Kill Bill the, oh no he yeah. must have he must uh-huh. have loved a, he must have loved a story about a, a girl who has to obey everything yeah uh, jumped on that <laughs> jumped on those movie right Lord actually he delayed release from uh, its original Christmas uh, intended release to like the middle of spring uh for some reason i don't know he got really tyrannical about a lot of the movies that were like released for miramax and mm. uh i mean t- like i feel that. like the early 2000s were, were was a good time for miramax and yeah Harvey, it really it really Harvey was um but, um but he got taken down in miramax no more and yeah, now we're just living miramax in no more in disney world yeah. Every, Find you a everything is disney world exactly. you know Find like you a vintage sweater that says miramax there it is uh it's a thing you can sell it I, I remember like 10 years ago being really taken with this like um, John Baudrillard's idea of the hyper real. Like, please forgive me. Like, don't don't cancel <laughs> me. But OK, he had this bit. He had this bit about Disney World being more real than America. Mm-hmm. Like that. It was a, since it was a simulation of America. Okay. It became like hyper real in this way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think he intended there to be like a prophetic element to that because that feels like no. that, that, that it, it feels like they just have built Disney World like just over all over the entire country and you know uh, yeah we're yeah. just kind of everywhere yeah yeah, yeah. hot yeah. topics are now disney yeah uh, welcome to the <laughs> i hate disney <laughs> podcast uh no okay for the, okay. For the record i no <laughs> yeah okay but just okay so just i'm drinking uh, just, from my frozen coffee cup right now <laughs> just ab- about the movie okay so in 2004 they still had this genre of like teen movies and yeah. there was like teen movies for like children who weren't horny yet 
And then they had teen <laughs> movies for horny children. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 not another teen movie yeah. was like I think rated sure. R, but yeah. it was like the intended audience was like fifteen year olds. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Right. right. And then American they had like, Pie, and they had like, like yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, shit like that. And then they had like the like Lizzie McGuire movie. Yeah. And yeah, and, and, and stuff like Ella Enchanted, right? <laughs> Which is now there are there are no more teen movies. There are no more like adult movies. It's all just like. Hunger Games and MCU films, and it's all just like intended for the same. So maybe, you know, while maybe. we're can I make can I make a note while we're on the note of horny fans because I've been dying to tell you guys this since we agreed to do this. <laughs> sure, honey. What? This book in particular. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> so <laughs> where that fan I, fiction? <laughs> speaking of horny fans, not yeah. fan fiction, but in my in my deep dives into the internet's yeah. underbelly mm-hmm. um i discovered there's like a subset of what i think is bdsm that's basically like what i want to say hypnosis kink yes and yeah, a lot yeah. of people in the hypnosis kink community credit this movie and or book with like awakening that oh. in them like them realizing like well that's a feeling that and is, i think yeah. that i think is- that's hilarious I mean, interesting. Um, actually, the director Tommy O'Haver, uh, was, he had like a darker uh, storyline in mind, um, which would like really correspond with a lot of his other like later movies. Um, but but uh, a lot of it got cut, and it was uh, yeah, he uh, he was not allowed to make it as dark as he was going to, uh, which is interesting. Uh, it it like came out very like this. Bubbly, uh, bubbly, like Technicolor dream coat of a movie. Uh, like they had to, uh, as an example, they had to dye uh, in, uh, like tint in the uh, post production, the overcast Ireland sky, like to make it to make it extra like sparkly. You know, yeah, it, it 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 definitely sort of looked like a latter episode of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. kind of. It oh. had that, like, <laughs> wait, 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 which Doctor? Yeah. Which I don't doctor? know, like like the one before David Tennant. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, sort uh, of that, like Chris Eccleston. Yeah, 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 sort of that, like higher budget BBC mm-hmm. production stuff, which I thought was like charming and yeah. nostalgic. Yeah, yeah, it did. It definitely had that candy coated like early two thousands flavor, like especially the fashions that they did for that, and like, and Anne Hathaway was fresh off of uh, the Princess Diaries and. Uh, um, so it kind of has that like brassy kind of Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. feel to it a little bit. But actually, Anne Hathaway got approached for this in 1999 when she was still like 16. Uh, like the the heads of Miramax had sent her uh, the book uh, and they were like, hey, keep this in mind for down the road. And then uh, a couple of years later, she ended up taking the role. But then afterwards, she was like, no more princess movies. I will never do... I don't know why I'm giving her this accent. But, um, <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> what? Exactly. No, I don't know what accent. That's exactly how she sounds. Yeah, I know, right? Um, uh, but yeah, so she... Uh, afterwards, she was like, nope, no more princess movies. Even though she did get to do a lot of like mime training and kickboxing for this movie, she was like, eh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing Brokeback Mountain next. But um, so yeah, it's... Uh, also a great... Anne Hathaway. Movie. Yeah, yeah. No, she was amazing <laughs> in that. She was fucking amazing. Uh, yeah. But no, I uh, we we stand Anne Hathaway over here. But um, okay. I was say, without going into a whole Anne Hathaway rant, oh. I just agreed. Okay. Agreed. Okay. Good. Great. Um, so agreed. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So also, Lucy Punch plays Anne Hathaway's bitchy cousin. Stepsister. S- stepsister in this movie. She plays, she specifically plays stepsister roles. Like, yeah, she no, she looks does. For yeah, them yeah, yeah. It's so well, good. Yeah. But then she, then she plays like the same role in uh, Dinner for Schmucks, mm. like 15 years later. Yeah. Or 10 years later. You or know. Whenever that movie came out. Dinner for which Schmucks. Which is fun. Why? Why was it? Why? Um, but, you know. 
it's okay. That's a good one. It's, it's yeah, it's interesting. But so, um, well, yeah. well, I brought up Lucy Punch because she's like oh, yeah. really tall and she's kind of mean and dumb. Oh yeah, like, oh. which is like okay, your flavor. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, uh, all right. <laughs> okay, but okay, but the okay. So the movie basically, and then Anne Hathaway. Uh, Starts an armed insurrection to bring down like the evil extractive capitalist regime mm-hmm. ruling the kingdom, which yeah. I love, of course. Yeah. Um, and I brought up the bit about teen movies because it this has this like charming like like there's a wooden escalator at ye old mall in this movie, right? Mm. Which is like the sort of like dumb yeah joke that people don't make in movies anymore. No, and uh, you know it was just kind of like it had like a critique of power that was meaningful that you felt like the director or the producers felt like they could. Benefit from, however cynically, did, did the message kinda, of the movie. Did you it kind of give you that like '90s rebel kind of thing, where it's like, yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the establishment, yeah. man. Yeah, but it was uh, like, but it was a little more direct, and they had yeah. more success. There was like no reconciliation, yeah. you know. There was like a complete uh, recuperation of um, power from Curiel's mm-hmm. uh, evil character. Oh, oh yeah, so many random like really big name actors in this movie, and it kind of cracks me up. Like Minnie Driver, Vivica Fox, Steve Coogan, fucking Carriels. Oh, yeah. It was like, a big deal. No, was a thing. It one was of a- my one of my favorite movies in this genre is also just filthy with uh, high list celebrities for like this ridiculously low budget children's <laughs> film. Yeah. No, it's. <laughs> At least it's heard me talk about it before. But Wait, it's is there is there a direct odd. line between Shrek two and like Captain America: The First Avenger? What? <laughs> well, I don't know. We can I, come back to that. Okay, okay sorry, I Ashley. Like, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna have to have to explore that idea. <laughs> yeah. But long story short, um, I do love I love when uh, these these uh, low budget children's films are just filled with uh, like adult actors just like having a fucking blast mm-hmm. because. There's nothing at stake for them here. Yeah, and then it's like also sometimes like populated with children actors like trying their absolute hardest. Yeah, which is cute. Oh, Eric Idle is the narrator. Oh which yeah, is yeah, fucking cool. Yeah. I'm like, hey, That's bud, too. what are you up to? Wait, so what? So what's the other movie that you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, so it's um, it's Albion, the Enchanted Stallion. Oh my God. What? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, really, it's, really, it's a good one. It's uh, she made a, she had us watch it during con one year, and it was. Uh, we were all a little loaded, so I don't really remember a whole lot about oh, it. Okay. But it was uh, it was sparkly. It was interesting. Um, so I might have to revisit that, Ash. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's in this it's in this genre, but it's it is not as good as this film. <laughs> I will say that. Okay. Uh, and uh, you know, you got Anne Hathaway doing her own singing, which is great. Oh yeah, all the all the music was fun too. Yeah. Yeah, this was like a like the memification of like medieval fantasy tropes was yeah. going on at this time. Yeah. They were like, okay, that's what everyone's into. Like Lord of the Rings and Shrek are a big thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone's really into fairy tales and medieval shit. Yeah. Which well, was a weird in, thing even, for, yeah. yeah. Like why were we into that in the early 2000s? Even, no, was, even in publishing, I was thinking that too. No, even in publishing, um, two years before this book came out, um, Wicked came out, the book that the stage musical is based on. Oh yeah. Oh God, Ram. Wicked. Yeah. Uh, Did you read and that? Then that uh, same, no. Well, regardless, uh, that same author also had like a a retelling, I think, of Cinderella from the Ugly Stepsisters um, perspective a few years later. Um, Ella Enchanted came out. Yeah. Like it was, it was a it was a weird time in the media landscape where we were all like making really self aware fantasy. Yeah, media, yeah, but then, but then like in the movies, like the movies take place in like whenever in Frell, right? In yeah. medieval 
Ireland, right? right? But all the jokes are about like consumerism and the malls and everybody's right. using like modern slang. So it's sort of like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's very memey. It's it, very, it, everybody yeah, wanted yeah. to exist back then. I don't know what it was. I think like it's, the I feel like the like suburban alienation was really setting in. Yeah. I think like the pointlessness of the various wars that were beginning then yeah. were really kind of it's kind settling of like, over us, and we all wanted to go. Someplace else, sort of removed from Be simpler. what felt uh, like this, like brutal escalation of technology. You know, oy, oy. Uh, I think it's kind of like in the seventies uh, when everyone became super obsessed with like uh, like cowboy movies, like fucking like really uh, over the top westerns, like really bloody and gory and just like sepia soaked kind of shit, and like you know. Clint Eastwood to the max, big gun motherfucker. Uh, so you know what? Yeah. I feel like each- yeah, well, it, didn't, it doesn't necessarily feel like nostalgia. It feels more like yeah. it feels more like everybody was having to give their thirteen year old a cell phone, yeah. and they were like, "Man, I just wish I was like a oh, okay. hot princess." <laughs> was the reaction yeah. to that? Yeah, which uh, you know, also- and now we and now we live in the age of superheroes. <laughs> Which is, yeah, uh, a new era of myth and just self-insert, which is really, it's really interesting. I don't know. I kind of wonder, like, in the next decade or so, like, what that's going to evolve into and what we're going to think of our weird-ass superhero tights phase, you know? But, but Ashley, uh, what were our analyses of the book, my darling? So this book, kids, kids, (laughs) let me tell you, this book is about one thing and one thing only, and that thing is consent. Oh, mm, uh, like, yeah. It's, it's super good. Um, actually, I, I enjoyed the reread. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I did um, listen to it on audiobook. Cool. Or rather, like a, a, fan, a fan-made cast on YouTube mm-hmm. um, by a theater troupe. And everyone was doing different voice acting, and it was so good. I enjoyed it very much. Um, awesome. This channel was... Uh, Stephanie Neuerberg. So check it out if you want to listen to a really good audiobook of this book. That's awesome. I love but when they do uh, ensemble cast for audiobooks. That's like. It was. I had special effects. Like, honestly, I want Ooh. every young adult novel to be narrated by this group. It was really good. Dope. But yeah. Um, but aside from that shout out, uh-huh. um, I enjoyed it so much, even more so than I thought I would, because I didn't know that it was going to. I didn't know if it was going to age well or if I was just remembering it fondly because I have like the nostalgia lenses on, mm-hmm. but I sincerely found myself laughing out loud at places. Um, the underlying themes of consent are like, it's really explicit about that are really good. Uh, I think it's a really good message. Uh, so basically like it, it sounds like it is a lot different uh, than the movie. Because yeah. There really isn't any like underlying social messages there's not really any like commentary on like the hierarchies of power in regards to like your metasphere but like when it comes to like power in like interpersonal relationships it definitely comments on that yeah yeah it definitely uh because the whole point is like she's um she's connecting on a personal level with uh char like with the government like directly so mm-hmm. it, so like that is not going to be as much in the focus as like the dynamic but like she definitely struggles with uh like people finding out her secret people working like against her within that and then and then herself like working against herself almost like because she's sure. so yeah i would say like there's three ways that it kind of goes about it so there's people who either don't know about it or like if they like there's, there's people in her life who would use it to their advantage 
even if it meant hurting her, or especially in the case of like her stepsister, if it meant hurting her. Yeah, yeah. There's people in her life who know about the curse who like only use it when it's like for her own good, like her her fairy slash um, cook yeah. Maddie, like Mandy. She she does sometimes order her around, but it's usually just like to do chores or to like help her out with something. It's not like ever mm-hmm. malicious with yeah. malicious intent. Yeah. And then there and then there's like the scariest scariest moment in the book. It was so dark mm-hmm. um is when uh she so she spends a lot of the book just kind of like you know set up for events and like this happened to me and i reacted um and then she decides to go to the giant's wedding to see if she can find uh lucinda to have her her um curse lifted curse yeah. or yeah or gift lifted mm-hmm. and instead lucinda orders her to be happy with her gift and we spend like a chapter and a half with her and it's all told first person perspective which I genuinely don't like but I think in this case worked really well and really brought home the terror of this moment mm-hmm. like during the time that she's under like kind of the happiness order mm-hmm. her dad's like arranging trying to hook her up with this like 60 year old dude yeah and oh, she explicitly yeah. has broke, lines yeah. she has and, and it's, ugh, this part's so creepy so she explicitly has lines where she's like Oh, I hope you would give me an order so that I might know the joy of obeying. And you're just like, <laughs> if I couldn't, and it's like if I couldn't get father to do it, maybe I could trick my husband into it somehow. And you're just like, I'm gonna. I'm <laughs> okay, I was sort of kicking myself for not picking up like on the consent things in the movie. No, um, no but no. now I don't. I don't want to think about uh, Harvey Weinstein produce. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's it really uh, is like going about, into the conversation um, of consent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A teenage girl discovering. Um, Mm, yeah. The love of obedience, yeah, 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 that's the thing. And then, so in addition, in addition to her being under this kind of happiness, um, like guys or you know moment, like uh, her her father like explicitly basically gives her the fantasy version of date rape drugs to seduce this old dude, mm-hmm. and like explicitly calls her like a flirt. It's so yeah. gross. It's mm. the, it's gross. Gross, gross. It really, like, hammers home how bad some of the characters are without ever, like... Anyway. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, my, my message about this book is it's explicitly about consent. Right. In the In the, like, key moment, the thing that saves the day is, like, Chard misses in love with her, and he wants to marry her, and she's mm-hmm. like, book, yes. Yeah. But... And if- then she realizes that because she's under the curse, she could be used to hurt him, and if not hurt him, like, at the very least, her her step family will take advantage of her position. Yeah. And so she sets up this elaborate ruse to like get him to go away. Mm-hmm. And in the end, like when he realizes what's going on, he asks her get well, he kind of accidentally like commands her to like marry him. And she finally breaks the curse and is like, no. And the and words she- in the books explicitly say like, I like revoked my consent. Like I didn't give my consent and it just, Mm. I know. Tasty, and she's, tasty. It's really good. Oh, she's good. jumping good. around. She's crying. It's beautiful. She's and Char's just like sitting there, really confused. He's like, "Why are you so happy? Saying no? What?" And then you know, her stepmother's He's like, "I'm getting real mixed message." You yeah. get real mixed messages right now, Ella. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and like, it's it's really interesting uh, that. It's it's just such a victorious moment because Lucinda, the godmother, uh, because like Mandy tries to get Lucinda to take the gift back and she won't do it. And so Lucinda's like, no, she has to do it herself. And uh, like, I really, really liked that. That really like rang that victory bell for that moment is that she. Well, yeah, did- Matt. 
Yeah, she took it away. Maddie, she like, saved ex- herself. She, well, yeah, Maddie explicitly says that. She's like, mm-hmm. uh... You know, because Ella's kind of like coming to the realization that the curse is broken. And Maddie says, like, you know, like, it's broken. It was broken the moment you said no in saving. Mm-hmm. What did she say? She says, in saving the prince, you saved yourself. And yeah. that's like the end of that chapter. And um, I'm just like, um, mm, good power show. line. Mm, beautiful. Chef's tasty, keys. tasty. And yeah. in addition to that, it just it plays with some fairy tale tropes in a very funny way. Yeah. It has really memorable, funny characters. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> It does. Okay. So my only criticism I was thinking about before this conversation is it does suffer from like a tiny, tiny drop of not like other girls syndrome. Mm, Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's in the movie for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, And like not like, like there are other female characters, Ella's age who are cool. Like she meets like one girl at boarding school that all the other girls bully because she's not as rich as them. Mm -hmm. And they become like besties. And I actually kind of like, yeah, Arita. Like, Arita's pretty great. She gets her own like Snow White sequel afterward, and like I, I think she's the character in the movie. Yeah, that, yeah. She yeah. gets like racially scapegoated yeah, by the yeah, by the stepsister. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah, and so like you get you get that, but you're right. Uh, she does get a little bit of like. Uh, yeah. Okay. In the movie, uh, they make Anne Hathaway's character. Ella, duh. Uh, <laughs> like steal a bunch of shit, and then when they all get in trouble for it, her stepsister is like. Ella, I command you to blame this on Arita. And it's like specifically like a mm-hmm. racist thing right. that they accuse her of stealing. Well, and it sticks because right. she's a brown girl, yeah. right? And then like, against her will, Ella has to send her away until she doesn't want to be friends anymore. And then she completely drops out of the movie, except at the end when she's getting married, Arita is just like at her wedding dressed like, like a bridesmaid. She's like, yeah, Whoa. Yeah, so that was like a weird bad yeah. little shoehorn. But like speaking of like the, the end and the breaking of the curse in the movie, mm-hmm. like Ella figures out when she's about to stab Hugh Dancy in the back yeah. that... She's looking at her own reflection and she's like, wait, I can give myself a command in the mirror yeah, and break the spell. And she's like, I am, I don't have this curse anymore. And that breaks it, which is nice. Yeah. I'm glad that like the, the, the third act of this movie, like the end, like the bit, like the, the twist, right. Yeah. Was not only effective, but also wasn't 45 minutes of yeah. like C- CGI uh, fight scenes. Right. Go, it was just like yeah, really yeah, snappy and rhetorical. Yeah, it was it's nice. like, it was okay. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like looking at I- yeah. Mm. just love that movie or that moment in the book and I encourage everyone to read the book just for how like powerfully written it is especially for like the grade level that it's written for because it kind of goes through this whole like her physical sensation of trying to overwhelm the curse and it's like bile rising in her throat she's like biting her tongue to the point of bleeding to like prevent herself from saying yes and obeying it Mm -hmm. obeying the curse and uh, it goes into this beautiful thing where it like kind of lists all the times that she tried to overwhelm the curse and how she thought it would be enough to break it. But like, finally this was enough to break it. I do love and, montages. Like when yeah. the characters reaching their pinnacle and it's like, fuck yeah. But uh, do you guys ever think like, so you get the, the evil stepsisters and you know, you get the uh, Dame Olga, whatever. And obviously they're pieces of shit. Like they, uh, her stepsister like commands her not to eat for three days. You know, like she does really cruel. Yeah, well, shit. And the reason she has to in the book, like she she specifically kind of like tells her to stop being friends with Irita because yeah. it brings Ella joy. Right. So like it, it, you kind of wonder where that character even came from. Like was was uh, and the not like other girls thing is like was the author trying to just build a bad guy? Like obviously the story's about Ella. The story's about consent and empowerment. And then you get like these other girls who are just like either sheep 
or they're cruel or like, you know, they've been beaten down, but they don't give you a reason as to why they are like this. Like, where did any of this come from? I kind of, I okay. don't know. That's the, a, that, that, that's a good question. I think mm. because like the will to power is reproduced in these step siblings who mm -hmm. are also fans of the like evil interim king in the movie. They well, like uncritically accept the yeah, agenda the of enslaving the yeah. elves and orcs and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's no so it's no wonder that like personally they they reproduce this sort of behavior yeah. in their own lives. Um, also, Tommy O'Haver, who is from our own Carmel, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> later, there's like an echo of this in I think his I kind of like the best film he made. Yeah. I don't. I'm not that familiar with the Tommy O'Haver filmography, <laughs> but he made a movie called An American Crime. Yeah. Which is Catherine Keener and Elliot Page mm -hmm. and uh, somebody else, but it's about this like a, it's like a true crime film about this girl that was just like uh, tortured to death. Uh, by a family she was staying with in Indiana. Oh, wow. In, in Indianapolis. Like, wow. the woman's name was, like, Gretchen Bershevskowitz or something like that. Okay. Uh, so he, he made that movie, and it's basically about a bunch of children being unspeakably cruel to another child. So yeah, that's yeah. obviously something on the director's mind, right. too, for sure. Right. So, I don't know. I just kind of, I I want more stories behind the cruelty of a stepsister, you know? Like, so we, I was... <clears throat> Yeah. I think it's like kind of a product of the time mm -hmm. is like we hadn't really had that conversation yet about in like media about like not just having your protagonist be the one nice person in a sea of mean people because right. like that's not really realistic. No. Yeah. But that kind of was like especially in young younger media like the thing mm -hmm. for a long time was like our underdog versus all these bullies. Yeah. Um which but, kind of made Ready Player One kind of insufferable, but anyway, continue. <laughs> never gonna not shave that. We'll never, we'll never, <laughs> we'll never be over it. Um, but another thing it does that I think was a product of the time, but like maybe if this work was made today, I would like to see done differently. Mm -hmm. Is like the explicitly whenever Olga or the sisters are eating, it's described as like disgusting, and there's right. references to like their hideousness and like their weight. But there's so many times in the book that, like, she's kind like, Ella's kind of, like, establishing the culture that she's in by describing the food being served. And I'm like, well, damn, this bitch eats a lot, too. <laughs> Just because she has the not like other girls' power of never gaining weight. Like, don't yeah. take that out on the stepsister. Well, oh, I thought that was interesting in the book is because, like, she's described as having fairy blood. So she's got super tiny feet. Which is why mm -hmm. the fucking glass slipper thing. Oh, that's why is Harvey Weinstein wanted to make this ah, movie. Ah, there okay. it is. And then uh, also she can't gain weight and she's small. So, uh, which is uh, like, I thought that was an interesting world element, but also you're right. That does add to the whole not like other girls uh, thing. I mean, I, under I understand like the, the, I like that the author uses food to kind of like give you an idea of what the culture that she's because like you know exploring other cultures is kind of a part of the book like right, she's right. with the ogres for a while she's with the gnomes very briefly yeah and the elves she's with the giants yeah yeah so oh yeah and the elves early in the book when she mm -hmm. first meets char, yeah, char. um yeah. so like the idea of like oh and her you know and her, and her friend at boarding school so like it's very much it is about exploring other cultures and even like her letters with char and him describing that culture yeah. Like that's definitely like a a cool aspect of the book is like her, her learning about these other cultures and a lot of that being done via food. Yeah. But I thought like it was funny that anytime food was referenced with any other character outside of Ella, it was only to like kind of right. illustrate the hideousness of this character. Yeah, which you know is a yeah. 
Well, my darlings, um, we are at the end of our discussion. Uh, what did we think about the book in the movie? What did we think, Judith? Uh, the the movie's good. Watch it. Watch it. Wa- <laughs> it wa- watch it or don't. It's very it's very forgettable. I mean, it's it's good. It's fun, but it's also like 2004. Oh, yeah, uh, so, but it's kind of like nice. It's like it's it, but it's it's nostalgic in a weird way too because it's not particularly good, but you can tell that it comes from like a different film ecosystem. So, yeah. watching it, I was sort of longing for like. Yeah. Uh, uh, low rise jeans yeah. and Britney it's, Spears. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah actually. Okay. Yeah. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, Ashley, darling, did you like the book? Oh, so much more, more so than I remember. It's, it's funny. It has a good underlying message. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Cinderella adaptation is, is really fun. Um, And yeah, I definitely would recommend it. And this is even one I would like to purchase. So I have on my shelf. There you go. Who did the, who did the audio book thing that you liked? Oh, she mentioned it earlier. yeah, it's uh, it's not a, it's not an official cast, but uh, it's so good. Uh, her name was uh, Stephanie Nurberg. 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 Yeah. Got it. Berg. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I'll, so I, check that out. Yeah, that's usually how I. Uh, I can't read a thousand words a minute like you can, Ash. So I usually will take the audiobook route <laughs> so I can keep up with the two of you. But um, so yeah, I will definitely check that out because I dig that story a lot, and I am a sucker for a fairy tale rendition of pretty much anything. Um, uh, it's betrayed me one too many times, but I still come back. Anyway, uh, <laughs> all right. My darlings, thank you so much for listening to us today, uh, and we'll see you next time. Adios. Bye. Bye.